Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. And I'm working at- an Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. And they've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Well, everybody, on this wintry day here in Colorado, Chuck and Julie Show, Chuck Miles, Julie Hayden, two straight up, brought to you by AmericaCitizenPress.com and Denver Senegenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. You know, actually, we probably shouldn't complain if it's like 53 degrees out. And, 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 like yeah, it. No, I know. It's not, it's not that bad. We've gotten kind of spoiled with this, oh, yeah. this fall. It's like, oh, my God, it's winter. It's like 50 <laughs> degrees. I think Rev hasn't worn his jacket to school. Like, I send it with him, but he doesn't wear it. Hey, we've got John Conlon coming up as soon as we get him. He's a columnist. We've had him on before with AM Greatness. And as I said, basically, I'm reading his column, and it's like, this is why, pardon my language here, but government sucks, and it's doomed to suck. suck. Yeah, which is, and and what we need to do about it. Um, Also, there's a ton of stuff going on today. Um, The uh, Smollett case has gone to the jury. That'll be Um, an interesting verdict. Yeah, you'll be interested to know that that actually the leader of the BLM um, says that it's just a white supremacist charade, crooked white supremacist charade, everything's white supremacist. We've got Hillary Clinton just won't go away. She's back (laughs) and they'll play her latest thing. Um, All kinds of stuff. Hispanic, uh, a poll of Hispanic people not going to make Democrats happy. Um, Oh, if they lose Hispanics, they're in trouble. Right. And then one other thing, if we have time, I want to talk about is the great resignation job of 4.2 million people, the third highest ever, just behind August and September, people quit their jobs. Um, last month in October. I'm like, what are these people? I need to figure out, I need to find them. If you're one of those people, call me and tell me how you're making a living. And because if I quit all of the work that we do, all I do is shop all day, which would then lead us to need a job. So I don't know what these people are doing. It's just a curious Well, we've got John Conlon with us on line three. Tell us about John, Julie. Yeah, hey, John, he's, just a, he's a great columnist, um, writes about a lot of organizational stuff, um, politics, um, has a great column up in AM um, AM Greatness right now, um, which he was kind enough to send me a link to. So, hey, John, thanks once again. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Chuck and Julie. So, like I said, I've been kind of promoting this as John Conlon explains why government sucks and why it's always <laughs> going to suck. So I'll, and when I read it, I'm like, this is brilliant. I mean, it's, it absolutely explains it. And it's the kind of stuff Chuck has said, too. But why don't you sort of explain the, the premise of your column? Well, sure. In, in, in my management consulting, when I was consulting for, in for-profit businesses, I, I just observed what I ended up calling a de-evolution of, of organizations, and those are situations where you be, you know we have a bad boss or a bad manager, and basically good employees. And I'm not talking moral issues. I'm talking just what makes a good employee. Can generally, always go find another job, right? So they have there's only a certain amount of crap they have to put up with, and over time in an organization like that, if those people leave, you're left with all those who either aren't motivated enough to try to find another job who truly can't find another job so then when you know when it comes times are tough and we need to really you know all hands on deck type situation you look around and you just don't have the players to do that 
And and if you look at government, you know, government which is just a big nonprofit organization, yeah. these same forces fill them. But at least in a for-profit business, sooner or later you have to make money. You have you know you have to respond right. to customers, whereas government doesn't have any of those sculpting forces. So basically, bad bosses stick around. They create other bad bosses, which just spreads throughout an organization. And uh, pretty soon, uh, you have a pervasive rot from top to bottom. And I, in the article, I start with talking about, you know, uh, at least maybe I was naive 10 years ago. But, but, you know, I used to think that the FBI and the CIA and, you know, the Justice Department, that these were, you know, a cut above, that these were quality organizations. But as we discovered in the past few years, the the rot is pervasive there. And sadly, it probably goes top to bottom. Um, yes. I'm right. not saying every employee by any means, but... Um, Pretty much everyone. Well, you know, and one thing, too, you also mentioned the column that I thought was great is you said essentially a, a government and actually any organization, but a government is kind of like a living um, or, organism, right, where it, it, it's, it, it, it's created. And then what it does is it fights to survive. It seeks to grow. And essentially, it seeks to destroy anything that threatens those two things. And I thought, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what happens to government and bureaucracies. They're created. Um, and then all the first thing they want to do is they want to grow grow, grow, grow. Um, And it almost, and the sad thing is, it almost doesn't matter who, you know, is manning the organization. Some, it might grow faster than in others, uh, but it's still, the tendency is still for it to grow. And unless there's a conscious effort to prune it back, it will over time continue to grow. And if you look at the federal government, state government, local government, over the past hundred and some years, you say, that's exactly what it's done. Right. Yeah, it has. And I, I have three general rules having worked in government and worked in private sector. Um, one is that in government, certainly the mathematical equation is you take the number of employees, take the square root, uh, say you have 100 employees, square root's 10, and they do 50% of the work. Uh, the other 90% do the remaining 50% of the work. And that, that's, that's if you're lucky. Um, that's if you're lucky. And therefore, I mean, I, I've gone into cities and I've cut the workforce in half with absolutely no difference in, in output for the, for the citizens they're supposed to be serving. The second was once you hire somebody at a governmental level, their first job appears to be to create a sub position where that they hire somebody to do all the work you're supposed to do and and they and they go all the way down and third it's it's basically a a virus i mean they they get a hold of the government and they eventually um kill it now i'm talking hundreds of years chinese history you can just go through all the dynasties and, and watch the bureaucracy slowly choke the politic down so it's so awful that there's a revolution and and the uh and the parties are upset, um, but it's just you. If you ever been in government, let let's say there's an there, there is I can think of one city right now that's in a real cash crunch, a real cash crunch. Now, what happens in private business is that the persons want to make money, and therefore uh, they cut their their least productive workers, right. uh, the ones they can you know get rid of the, with with the greatest amount of ease and without hurting the organization. In public entities, everything is sacrificed to retain all employees. Only at the last, last, last do, do, do they shed employees. 
And so these things just grow and grow and grow. And finally, they take over the body politic and kill it. Uh, but that often takes hundreds of years, even a thousand years sometimes. You know, the, the Confucian um, Mandarin classes, you know, ruled for hundreds and hundreds of years before they finally choked it to death. And I think your article was great saying for about 125 years, we had a pretty small government because we had a constitution that mandated that. Uh, but since the progressive era, th- this monster is growing and growing it and leaps growing. leaps and bounds. Yeah. It, it is. And, and I, I think you, you describe it perfectly, Chuck. And it, it leads to catastrophic failure. And, and my point is we as free citizens with supposedly a representative government, do not have to sit back and say, yep, it's just going to go until it all blows up and society's going to go to hell and we'll have hundreds of millions of people die and, you know, perhaps World War III. I mean, bad things happen with catastrophic failure. So it, make, it makes more sense to just, you know, that was my purpose of my article, is to analyze the situation, understand it's somewhat the nature of the beast, and the yeah. best defense for that is to limit its scope and power dramatically because the other the for, the forces we can't do much about you know i mean there's only so much greatness we're going to get out of a nonprofit organization like government i mean right. just that's just the way it is well and as like you said i thought it was really well put the way you compared it to any an amoeba for Pete's sakes any kind of living organ, organism right it's going to fight for its survival it's going to try to destroy anything that threatens its survival and most of all it wants to grow and i think you look at what happened with donald trump um and that's exactly what happened you had i mean i would argue that the more than government it was the entire swamp apparatus but you've got some guy comes in who actually seems to be serious about doing what you suggest and that's cutting back powers and regulations and immediately Everything gears up, all of them, even though they maybe maybe some Republican senators like Lindsey Graham maybe didn't get along with whatever before. But when all of a sudden their whole swampness is threatened and the bureaucracies are threatened, they all acted together viciously to to try to destroy Donald Trump and the rest of us who voted for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, the organization fights to survive. And, you know, it. I'm, I'm certain Chuck would agree with this. It's, it's one of the painful things of, of, you know, trying to vote Republican or conservative. And you look at the federal government, and half the time there's a Republican in charge, the government grows faster than when there's a Democrat in charge. Yes, because yes. So, at least Republicans, when they're not in office, sort of act like Republicans. And right. try to, <laughs> yeah. But once they're in office, they're, they're just part of the amoeba. And they keep on growing. I mean, Ronald Reagan really came in on a whole mantra of, of uh, government's the problem. We've got to cut back government. We've got to do it. He was wholly unsuccessful. I mean, Tom Tancredo uh, was one of his ones, and he tried to get rid of people in the Department of Education, and they, it couldn't be done. It yeah. just couldn't be done. And so government just maybe didn't grow as fast, uh, but, but it grew, kept on growing. If you got H.W. Bush, I mean, his and the, the Patriot Act and all that, oh, that, wow. yeah, that's, that's right. just Homeland Security. massive explosion of, of, of government. And, and what are you going to do with They have 38,000 uh, FBI employees. What do you do with all those people? <laughs> you well, investigate they, mothers. You investigate mothers. You go, yeah. yeah, you go down and somebody Domestic has a, has a, has a uh, pull string that looks a little bit like a noose. So you send 18... Members of the FBI for a full investigation of of a 
of a pull cord. I mean, they're just, they have nothing to do. And so they have to yep. invent things. They have to invent. I, I talk to anyone that lives in a small town when the fire department gets overstaffed or the police oh. department gets overstaffed. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they have to go justify their existence. And, yes. and they will, and they'll use the power of government to, to expand it. And, and like I said, it, it, it's the nature of the beast. There's little that we can do about that. So the only thing we can do is try to take back the schools and teach the children, again, get back to a small, limited government. And it, like I said, it, it, it almost doesn't matter on, on which side of the political spectrum you have, because it still is a path that leads to catastrophic destruction, and yes. that type of failure is not going to really care whether you voted R or D or anything else when it comes. Well, and I think what we're seeing now with like the mask mandate, right? I mean, this this virus yes, became yeah. became like a perfect way for them to exploit fear because people were scared, right? And when people exploit, but you can exploit fear, then you know you you it's easier to manipulate people. And all of us said, no, we have all these rules and regulations that aren't even really rules and regulations that we're following. It's not legal. I mean, to a certain extent, legal. at least the courts are standing up a little bit with some of the the vaccine mandates. But I think it's become a perfect thing. And then what they've done is because they realize i think you're right they're they're threatened their their survival is threatened and so now they're starting to you know again they're they're having the fbi go after sharona bishop for standing for parental rights you see them cracking down you've got the big tech companies i saw the the number one twitter account covering the um, uh, maxwell trial was suspended by twitter for violating its policies it's like what (laughs) i mean it's just they've gone crazy and i wonder if that leads us then Basically, to what your, your point is, and Chuck's point is, too, is yeah, some sort of catastrophic, and I don't even really know what I mean by that, but, but they're not going to just give it up on their, on their own. Twitter's not going to say, oh, you know, it's probably wrong of us to censor. Well, just watch Afghanistan. The Afghanistan war was an enormous money tree. The, the amount of money made by U.S. contractors, by U.S. defense agencies and everyone else, and it poured through Afghanistan, an incredibly poor country in which billions poured through. And, of course, every public servant or any other, you know, tied on to it. I mean, in many ways, it's a real tragedy for the Afghans. I mean, they were losing 20,000, 30,000 people a year, but you can stand that. But for all those billions to, to leave, and that, that's they just want to keep that money train going. And apparently the... The Biden administration is at least throwing them money so that they'll release whatever Americans are left. So, but but that was a money tree where people, all kinds of people made, it, and particularly the government, you know, the army, they all wanted. And, and when when um, Trump first threatened it, they quickly went to the New York Times with their phony uh, Russian bounty story. The Russians were giving bounties for American soldiers, which stopped the withdrawal. Um, and then, and well, then I think the, I think you put your finger on it. It's it's the forever war aspect of things yeah. too. Is so whether yeah. it's a true war like that one, or for the ever war on drugs, or on you know fighting yeah. poverty, or for education, uh, forever wa- wars are just words for saps like us uh, yeah. that they're going to continue to p- pick our pockets. Yeah. Well, where do we go from here? Because again, to carry out your the, the organism analogy, it's kind of like so. If you if you're like a deer and you get rid of all the natural predators um, and successfully fight your for your survival, pretty soon though you, there's not enough grass or whatever for for you to eat, and then that does lead to your own that's called taxes. destruction. Yeah, as <laughs> you go, I mean, at a certain point, 
like you were saying, Chuck, historically, it seems like this must be why is essentially the government's inevitably collapsed yeah. under the weight of their own bloatedness, really. Well, and, and because they don't understand how the system works, they tinker with stuff. And, you know, it's just like this the idea that we can just continue printing money forever and it's never going to have a negative impact. I mean, that, that's an insane belief, but that's how right. we live. You know, what is it? Social Security has, what, 20, 20 years before it's broke? There, you know, yeah. 300, is it 300 million? I, I, hundreds of millions of Americans depend on programs that are yeah. not funded for, for 20 years. I mean, you know, right. when you add up all the unfunded liabilities of, of the country, um, we're living in fantasy land. So, yeah, the, if you look at the growth of government in the past hundred and some years, just, just from, you know, when uh, the federal income tax started, yeah. um, you, you know, I, I'm a business guy. Project that out. Continue those trend lines out, and Chuck's catastrophe is out there and it's not that far away. And once it happens, you know, breaking things is a hell of a lot easier than building new things. So, well, this, is, um, this is from Dr. You know, Donna. It helps having more printed when playing Monopoly. And Mark says, fire each and every one of them and start again. Um, and then this Dr. Donna also, um, since it's the schools that created ignorance to truth for many, um, well, and back to the schools, the point there is I think you're right, because let's go back to and another point you made in your column. We're talking with John Conlon, has a great column in AM Greatness. You pointed out that, that the founding fathers and mothers of this country were brilliant in that they realized the only way to prevent this was to really limit the power and the scope of government, which ever since they did that, it's been growing, 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 growing. Um, and you have to get back, like you said, to people who understand that because the government itself, once you get in, you're never going to do that. But do you think, is there time or is there ability or even a, you know, a will to do that? Or are they going to, I fear what they want to do is take what's going on here and they just want to create this giant global. I mean, if I'm right, the organism, right. I just want to take over the whole world, basically, for, like real, not even a joke. It, it does seem to be that <laughs> the direction, but... You know, I always look at that and say, unless you kind of throw away representative government, uh, that that concept doesn't work very well, because sooner or later, a charlatan will come along. We'll get our own Hugo Chavez. In, in my opinion, Obama was close to Hugo Chavez, but well, he didn't achieve it. But, but you know, and then once you get a, a person like that in, I also note in the article that Bosses fill organizations with people like them. So, right. the, you know, as the Soviet Union was eroding, all the, the Soviet generals were crooks. They all yeah. were. They surrounded themselves with crooks. If I'm a business guy and I like to grab the secretaries, I'm certainly not going to hire people that are offended by, by that. If, you know, if, if I lie and cheat, I'm going to hire people that that's acceptable for. So the rot really does spread. Yes, so what do we do? I mean, you guess we have shows like this and columns like yours, because on one hand, you're right about education, but it seems to me that you're asking the organism to uh, fight itself in doing that, right? If you're the teachers and the teachers' unions, you want more power, you know, you want the FBI. Well, I think you have to get rid of government schools. You don't have to get rid of public education. I'm a fan of public education. But I think the concept of public education has to be delivered only through government schools, once again, is a bad model. It's a false model. The model of freedom 
which has improved every good and, good and service in the planet, yeah. has never failed. It won't fail in education either. That's what we have to do for education. So basically, so yeah, can have it be public so everyone has access to it. Right, which basically is give the the parents control to spend, to allocate the money how they see fit in some type of state-regulated environment, of course, and let let the marketplace do its wonders. And that would be good for probably 80% of all teachers out there. It would be good for 100% of all students and parents out there. And it will transform the education system so that we can get out of this uh, this government thinking. Because you're right, Julie, but, you know, these are government schools. They're not right. going to turn on themselves and say, oh, gee, the problem is is uh-huh. government is, is, right. is a terrible thing. I, th- I think it was just, oh, this early this week, the Wall Street Journal had a little blurb how basically every dollar spent in education or 80% of every dollar spent in education goes to payroll. And it really no. goes, a lot of it goes to pensions, not directly to payroll. Well, yeah, well, but, exactly. You know, Look at Para in Colorado. Here, let me read some comments. We get a ton of comments. This is from Mark. He says, Chuck, I like your square root formula for how many government workers actually do what they're being paid to do. So that means, and Mark has experience with CDOT, with about 3,000 employees, there are only 55 that are actually working. Seems about right. <laughs> um, I would agree um, with that. I, I think that's probably right. And then Dr. Donner talks about why does the state have to regulate? That is an honest question. You're right. You know, and then, and, you know, the more regulations. Well, I mean, that's part of the organism's mechanism for growing. If you have more regulations, well, now you need more people to enforce those regulations. So you have to hire more people. But now you've got all these people, so they have to have something to do. So you, now you need more regulations, right? And, well, and, you know, and, and even in a regulatory world, I have experience in the beverage alcohol regulatory world. And the United States has one of the most dynamic beer, wine, and spirits industries in the world. You know, go walk in any bar, any restaurant, and you will be overwhelmed by the options you have. So you can have effective regulation. It's, it's just effective regulation. I'm, once again, I'm a business and system guy. The way to have effective regulation is, one, it should be minimal. But right. two, it should be it design the, the regulations are the boundaries. They don't tell you what to do. They tell you what you can't do. Somewhat like our, con- our our constitution, and that sets a boundary. And it basically says, "Hey, stay inside of those boundaries, and we don't give a damn what you do. You know, go out there and make it work." And that unleashes the genius of millions. That's really a good way to put it, that use the regulation to tell you what you cannot do, not what you have to do. Years ago, we did a, um, a story on our show. We talked about um, some of the daycare regulations, where they were going as far as to regulate the kind of crayons. They had to have diversity in the crayons that they use. I mean, and, and, and that changed constantly. And we would talk to, because Rev, when he was little, we had him in daycare, and they're like, it's killing us. You know, I mean, we have to have a whole separate staff set up to figure out what the regulations are and are we complying with them? And then they somebody send somebody here to inspect us. And keep in mind, we're dealing with a bunch of two and three-year-olds, you know, who don't understand the regulations. And, I mean, it's little things like that. Well, and, and, those, those get big. I mean, well, I, well like, it's a little thing. But you're right. It's like you start telling you, well, you have to have this color crayon. Then you have to have this and then that. Yeah, why not just say, I don't know, you can't have poison crayons or something like that. And <laughs> simple. Well, it's... Once again, the system design drives everything. The reason the United States has been such an 
successful comp- country, the most success- successful the world has ever seen. You know, it's not because of our natural resources. Those are fairly common. It's not because the people, we're a nation of mutts. People come here from all over the world and succeed. It's the system that allows that genius to happen. And that's the reason you haven't seen it succeed in other places, because they haven't taken the system and used it. And whether it's regulation or government, we need to kind of get back to the basic design where the, the founders were genius. They understood tyranny. They, under, they understood people very, very well. And, and we need to start building proper systems, you know, not, not doing things like the present uh, Democrat bills, uh, the build back better, you know. Um, we're going to we're going to say it only costs like three years, but we're going to tax you for 10. And somehow right. that's supposed to work out, you know, 30, 50 years down the road. No, it won't. That's insane. Well, and, you know, the thing is, too, what they have on their side now is people are so cynical. And I think people do not see clearly the danger that, you know, it's like we're heading toward the waterfall here and we're going to go over sooner, I think, than we think. Because people, I think everybody knows when they tell you, oh, we're not going to raise your taxes. You know, that's a lie. It's kind of like when, you you know, when your insurance Only company the wealthy. says. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're wealthy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, you're <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You sign up for insurance. You're like, oh, yeah, we don't cover that, though. Yeah, I mean, cover. you know we that. We don't cover accidents. You know that. But but I think, you you know, all of us, if people are busy going on with their own life. I, I don't see how we can. I've never. Is there any example in the history of mankind where, where an or government organization has managed to, to throttle back and go back to a simpler regulatory, simpler government system. I, I mean, I can't think of Is there one. any hope? Any hope? <laughs> I can't think of one ever that, that the system self-regulated or was forced self-corrected. to. Self-corrected. Self-corrected. Yeah, well, I don't know. A self-correction is not possible. That, that's yeah. whether it's public education or the government. Self, when, you, when you look at it from an organizational standpoint, whether it's, you know, this living entity, self-correction is just not an, uh, an option. It has to be forced on them. It has to be forced either through resource allocation you know you, you used to have a thousand bucks now you get a hundred bucks you know figure it out they'll still of course because it's government they'll make the most painful choices first whereas well, in, in what, business or in our personal lives you know if you guys had to cut back you wouldn't say oh, oh okay i forget your kid's name but you know we're cutting back on your diabetes medicine now because that's just right, right, yeah, yeah, you know, right you're going right. to cut back probably on Less important things, whereas government does just the opposite, so they make the pain as great as possible to make no yes. future cuts happen. Well, that's, that's why every time they have one of these government shutdowns, they'll oh, yeah. go around closing all the parks, parks and, and you can't get a passport and, and everything else so that you know, you'll feel some pain. Notwithstanding, they get rid of 90% of government and it wouldn't make any difference. <laughs> but they, they figure, oh, well, they like parks, so we'll shut them shut down. down. You can't go to the... the uh, the Vietnam Memorial, yeah, we'll force you out of there. I and mean, that is how governments work. I mean, it's you'd think that the people go, what do you mean you're closing the Vietnam Memorial? Because why don't you just fire some employees? No, no, can't, you do, can't that. do that. No, no, I, well, I love that using the examples you had, Chuck. Yes, <laughs> open open air places. They yeah. spent money to have people go fence them, so they yes. spent more money uh, to, to keep us out than just letting it be. But uh, 
that's government. Right. No, it's great. Let me read a couple more comments here too. We've got, you know, um, in, this is from Steve, um, Stephen. In the Navy, we called civilian workers sand crabs and we said you can't work with them and you can't fire them. Um, from Ronald Reagan, this is from Leo, the most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. And this is from Jacob. On Monday, just the news had an article about Fairfax County, Virginia, created a new fee for this. I read this too, Jacob, created a new fee for rain falling on the impervious area of one's property. I think they're a little bit behind the times. It's like, it's, well, let me judge just a final question, at least for me, and then we'll let you go. How much time do you think we have? Again, I go back to my deer and you get rid of all the natural predators analogy. Um, the government, I think we've reached this point where it's become so bloated, it's crushing all kinds of things. I mean, how long do you think we have before really, really, really bad stuff starts happening? On one hand, I'm optimistic. I've seen organizations change. I've seen people change. Uh, it can be a very quick, a quick thing, uh, surprisingly. What we're talking about are, are not physical things that we have to build or we have to... These are mental things. That, you know, we, we can change people's minds tomorrow. So I, I think we need to continue to fight. And, you know, Wayne Gretzky one time, hockey great Wayne Gretzky, was asked one time what made him such a great hockey player. And he said he always skated to where the puck was going to be, not to where it is. (laughs) And I I think as, as a movement we need to think about that. Yes, we have to, you know, fight in the trenches today. But our main focus needs to be on, okay, we got to get that puck going in this direction, and we need to be there when that puck gets there. And uh, I, I think there used to be an old uh, saying in the airline business by what are now flight attendants: "Get there before you're thrown there." Um, <laughs> uh, <which laughs> airplane crashes. Yeah, it's really true. Gotta, oh well, John, listen. Thank you for your time. Yeah, we appreciate it so where, much. Where else can people read read your read your uh, your writings? Well, I've been doing a lot in American greatness. They can search for my name, John Conlin, C O N L I N. Uh, my nonprofit is eicenterprises.org. They can visit that. And, uh, you know, we need to raise our voices. We need to do more of this. Uh, uh, there was a picture, I think it was on the Internet recently, of it looked like a bald eagle with its wings spread, and a prairie dog was standing up on its hind legs with its uh, paws out, looks like it was going to fight it. And I guess it, it, they called him the ninja prairie dog. He attacked the, the uh, bald eagle, and I was laughing to somebody about it and said, you know what, that's the way we need to be. That's the way life is. No matter what the odds, you never yeah. give up. There you All go. right, there, there you go. go. Thanks, well, th- John. Th- appreciate you coming on. All right, thank you, guys. Take care. All right, you Bye-bye. too. John Conlon there. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just, I encourage you guys to go find it. It's at, at, at um, amgreatness.com. And I read it. I'm like, that's just so true. I mean, that's just a really interesting well, way uh, of- build back better, the, you know, the infrastructure deal. But it used to be infrastructure was good because you sort of needed it and you wouldn't want to build a bridge from nowhere. But then they changed the definition of infrastructure. So the infrastructure bill had 11% on worthless infrastructure. Right. Um, and, you know, the Democratic Party is the biggest party of waste, fraud, and abuse that's ever been around. Well, and this is from Steve. I haven't seen this. He says, see if you can watch a video called The Power of Zero. It's about the coming collapse because of our 28 plus trillion dollar debt and ongoing deficit spending. We will all become Venezuela. 
Yeah, that's, you know, as Dr. Donna says, ouch, you know, (laughs) but that's absolutely true. Um, Hey, and so speaking of things that that can't, yeah, speaking of ouch, speaking of ouch, you want to shift gears. There's a little levity here, Um, although it's, it also has some serious aspects. So Hillary Clinton just refuses to go away. away. And I don't know if you guys have seen, but they're out there Um, today is she was on an NBC streaming show um, where she read the 2016 victory speech she would have read if she had won the election. Now, I don't know, and we're going to play some of it. I don't know what is more pathetic the, the, that, that or even more disturbing that Hillary Clinton, number one, is reading this and still carrying it around with her, or that NBC is actually putting this on TV. Or, right? the, or the contents of the speech, which well, was... None of which was about all the great things she could have done for the American public. It was all about how impressed her mother would have been ever. Well, I mean, that's that's really what she was thinking. You know, there's nothing. Hey, I can accomplish this. Well, and accomplish I mean, this. She, you know, just so she could go to her dead mother and kind of go, I'm the president. Well, and there was others. I mean, it'd been like, you know, like I've, I've got uh, three Emmys, but I've been nominated for more. It'd be like if I came down here and said, hey, guys. I'm going to read the speech I would have read had I actually won Got that Emmy. Emmy I deserve. It's like, who cares? It's like, if we would have, if we, if enough people care what you would have said, if you got the Emmy, you would have got the, I mean, it's just ridiculous, but I want you to see this. So Thomas, if we could please play the Clinton video. This is great. Because even though we had a lot of bumps those last 10 days, uh, a lot of bumps. I, I FBI thought, investigation. You know, we could pull it out. So I worked on um, a speech that really, was about my journey and had a, had a real emphasis on my mother's life and journey as a way of you know making it clear that yes I would be the first woman president but I I like everybody uh, stood on the shoulders and lived the lives uh, and the experiences of those who came before us. I dream of going up to her and sitting down next to her, taking her in my arms. And saying, look at me, listen to me, you will survive, you will have a good family of your own, and three children, and as hard as it might be to imagine, your daughter will grow up and become the President of the United States. Are you kidding me? Oh, God, that's so wonderful. (laughs) I'm glad she was thinking about all the people she's going to rule over during this time period. It was just all about her. Well, I know. I mean, she's worse. Hey, mom, look how important I am. Well, and it's it's just ridiculous. It's like I, I get. You know, she said she didn't write a concession speech, and I get why you wouldn't do that. You don't want to jinx yourself, and you're hoping you don't have to read it. But I mean, okay, you so that was 2016. This is 2021. Even Trump is gone now, right? It's Joe Biden is is the president. Why is she still schlepping that around? I mean, that's pathetic in a way. It's narcissistic. But again, I don't even know which is worse: her still carrying it around and stuff like that, or NBC saying, "Oh, I know, let's give her a chance to read it." It's just ridiculous. Well, they have something called master class, and this is the thing, and they're going to have Bill, and Bill is also coming on for his own uh, cryathon. Um, but but the other ones they're going to have on are the Bushes, uh, George W. and his and his wife, and also going to have Madeline Albright and uh, well, uh, Rice. And, and so just Rice. Susan, no, not Susan Rice, the other the, the one uh, that belongs to Masters <laughs> itself. Oh. Uh, I forget her name. She was in the Bush administration. She okay. Was, um, but but it's all just a uniparty. Just all oh, these disgraceful. Well, 
oh, awful yeah. uniparty people that, that it's supposedly. Uh, yeah, man. Okay, here's, and this is from, from um, Dr. Donna, which is actually, this is what I thought, Donna, this is a great analogy where she said, I tossed my love letters, my old love letters a long time ago. Why do you carry this kind of stuff around? Um, someone else has said, of the, the people are commenting quick, um, that, that she was a better actor than Smollett. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think those are real tears. It's a love letter well, I to herself. Those are real I know. Tears. I mean, those yeah, are real okay, tears. from Leo. She's not as good of an actor as Smollett, but just as much of a ward on our society. This is from Charlene, Madeline Kissinger, good duo. Steve says, Where's Dan Quayle? Asking for my pants. <laughs> exact from Sandra. All the members of the swamp. Ooh, Dr. Donna. She probably never got any love letters to Bill. <laughs> so that one is meaningful. Well, it's just, like I said, it's kind of like, weird well, and not only that important. it's not as Disgusting. if hillary clinton is like you know living a horrible life right i mean she's well, still sure got she's, she's got present. well she's got you know she's oh dogs are breaking she's got all kinds of money she's got children a child grandchildren she lives in a, a lifestyle most people and instead she's dragging around this 2016 i bet she reads that every day i mean i know that's mean of me to say but oh, I, I just read this and i'm like are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So anyway, thought we'd just Send share that with you. Send your condolences to Hillary and wait, <laughs> yeah. wait for the masterclass from Bill. She's going to make a recording of it for Christmas. She can she can read it and you can buy it for Christmas. What else do we want to talk about? Well, this is something else kind of cheerful too. Newest polls continue to be bad news for Democrats. This is a Wall Street Journal poll, right? Yes. On Hispanics. This is kind of funny too. This is, so I don't know if you guys have heard, there's this new that's not that new term Latin X. I guess it's how you pronounce it. Everybody I know who's Hispanic is like, we do not call ourselves Latin X. Um, the only people who say Latin X are like white liberal women sitting around a Starbucks talking about how wonderful they all are. And I think that's probably true. Um, but talk about the polls. You were the one who noticed this. Well, it showed, you did say as Wall Street Journal, it's 37% were vote for Democrats, 30%, 7% for Republicans. And those weren't, weren't sure one way or the other. If, Hispanics break 50-50, Republicans will be in control for a long time. Um, as a practical matter, uh, let's say in Colorado. Colorado has a black population of 4%, of 4%. Uh, and assuming, let's say they and go- And they all live in Denver. And they all live I in mean, Denver, largely. Well, the Aurora yeah. metro area. Um, but, you know, the Democrats usually get 90% of the black vote, which can be very important in states. But in Colorado, that still is only a couple of 3%. Hispanics are 21%. And if, you know, you really wonder, people say, well, Colorado's become a blue state. And it's always been my contention because they've rigged it with, with ballot harvesting. And although you can get the leader of the Republican Party, former leader, Ken Buck, going, it's a gold standard. I mean, it's just- You digress, you digress. No, oh. it's not. No, okay. it's not. I'm not digressing at all. I mean, if Hispanics break 50-50- Oh, yes. Um, well, Democrats are over. It's over. For and bigger than, I don't care how many people from Haiti. And this there. is what I would submit. And hey, for the rest of the show, too, um, you can um, we'll read your comments. If you want to unmute yourself, go ahead and do that. And if you want to call in, 888-627-6008, 888-627-6008. I submit also that the bigger problem the Democrats have is why they're splitting, right? And they're splitting because just like that Hillary Clinton interview reveals is the Democrats and their puppets in the media have no clue what people actually care about anymore, I think. Well, they and think so they, 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 they want keep... free stuff. So that's that's your view. They want free, uh, well, free they want... kindergarten. They want free the... community college. They want free 
Medicare, they want free. Well, and they want people, well, and they just, that's just a, really, I think what it is, is the elites want to just control us all, and they'll throw us a few free bones, sure. you, you know, of stuff yeah. that, you know, like you said, you know, they'll go party, the servants at the party, they have to wear masks, masks right. but the politicians and the elites at the party don't. If you're Barack Obama, middle of a pandemic, you can have a giant party where no one wears a masks, you know, and then what you do is you force all the celebrities to take their tweets down. I mean, that's the way of dealing with it. And people see that. And people see that the Democrats, they talk about, like I said, the BLM and the Jesse Smollett trial says, oh, this is just about a bunch of white supremacist charade and saying it doesn't matter whether he's really guilty or not, because it's a court system that's oppressive. Therefore, he should be found not guilty. Um, It's not looting in the stores, right? It's just there. It's, I don't know what, righting a wrong. Um, You know, it's in California, they've changed the shoplifting law to like a million dollars. And so (laughs) stores are closing, places are pulling out. I mean, the Democrat, in the meantime, they're telling us it's your fault that that inflation is existing. I I mean, it's, they just don't care. This is from Senator Rashid Tlaib wants us to pay her her law school loan, which is about 70,000. I can't believe you haven't paid for it yet. I mean, I mean, well, yeah, well, again, that's a Democrat world, right? Where you run up a debt and then you don't pay it. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know where I came from. You, you know, I, I don't know. I paid for my education. My daughter paid. I paid for her education. And well, you know, yeah, I mean, what? Was she going to pay it off when she's like 80? Um, but again, the Democrats, and I think that's the thing with the Hispanics and some of the Blacks who are now no longer Democrats either, is that they, they care about the same thing everybody cares about. We're all actually pretty similar when you get right down to it. We care about our families. We care about our safety. We care about our kids' education. We care about stuff like, you know, do the stoplights work? Um, you know, little things, the things that get you through the day. Can I get, you know, whatever it is I'm looking for at the grocery store? Are my kids' presents going to be here in time for Christmas? Stuff like that. And the Democrats, to them, that's a joke, right? right. That's not the world they live in well it's it's and it used to be very good back when you were a democrat julia i've I've evolved sorry sorry of hiding it and you didn't realize they were hiding it they've always been hiding it they've always never said what they really want to do or why they're really doing things it's always sound to be nice you want equity uh, right you want a fair society you want something that's good for everyone we're not you know they they don't even know those things they're just greedy power hungry awful people well it's been revealed i think they just became overconfident um and i think they became going back to john conlon's interview they became the organism itself has grown to a place now where it just it's fighting to just to destroy us who call for smaller government who say hey maybe i don't know call us crazy maybe if we're at a pro-police rally and the antifa people are attacking us that the police should step in and stop them i mean i don't know call me crazy um there are enough people out there saying you know i i don't want people i'm not to go to the store if they're going to loot it and ransack it. I'm not going to work at the store if they're going to do it. And crime does matter. And the Democrats keep trying to say, no, you're racist. Um, and, and, you know, they showed no, everything is white supremacist. Candace Owens is a white supremacist. Casper Stockham is a white supremacist. It's, it's a meaningless phrase anymore. Well, talking about that, Greg Lopez is going to be on Peter's show tomorrow at seven. So we'll give a little shout out for that. That ought to be an interesting tete-a-tete. Yeah, yeah. Um, not that Greg's a white supremacist, but or Remember Peter. we called him that jokingly. Oh, oh, okay. Because because he was for election integrity. Well, I mean, anytime they say something you don't like, it's a white supremacist kind right, of thing. Right, right. What else did I want to talk about? Oh, this. This is because we don't have much time, but um, sort of switching gears. I was reading um, Breitbart today. They were talking about some economic 
uh, statistics coming out, the great resignation. And they said that 4.2 million people quit their jobs in October. That's the third highest amount on record. The record was set in September when 4.4 million people quit their job. And then the previous time before that was August when 4.3 million people quit their job. So, I mean, what you've got like 13 million people in the last three months have quit their job. Truly, I am confused about this. What are these people doing? I mean, are they... I, I, what, what are, why would you quit? Your- well, some are being forced to because they don't well, have vaccines. Okay, um, vaccine mandates, which are, again, Biden yeah. is taking a trumping in the courts like on trumping. that. Yeah, but but I find it weird. Well, Prince Harry, of course, was telling us you should just quit your job yeah. if you don't find it, it fulfilling. fulfilling yeah. uh, you know, when I was my first job, I did tassel corn in Woodstock, Illinois. I did not find that fulfilling yeah well neither um, prince harry traveling uh, well, around the world being fed uh, and right in private jets that was so, so hard yeah. but, well, well this is what steven says why greg lopez going to peter boyle's show oh. um he better stand with his back to the wall so he doesn't get stabbed in the back well i think we've warned uh are they, are they, are they, greg's greg, a pretty sharp guy greg knows what he's uh in for you know and just to you know stepping away from my i was going to tell a corn detailing story but oh, okay. um no but i think though that that greg is doing the right thing and he i mean when we've had him on our show and this is what something i like about greg is he says what he thinks and you might not agree with him but he says what he thinks oh, yeah, and so, he's reasonable i mean he he is a, a long shot compared to um heidi ganahl who has all the money and all the rhinos behind her and stuff so so Greg has to take chances. And I think I think he'll handle himself well. Well, and he's smart. I mean, he was talking about, you know, I mentioned earlier that Twitter, for some reason, canceled the, the number one Maxwell trial account that people were going to to see what was going on in the Maxwell mm-hmm. trial, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. And Twitter just canceled it, saying it had violated their terms, terms of use. Of serve, yeah. uh, well, which is whatever that means. I can't wait. To but but Greg was, well, they just, but yeah, but Greg was saying um, that, that he said sooner or later, he said, they're going to cut down my Facebook page. They're going to cut yes, down my Twitter. Yes, I know yes. that. So I'm building an army of 30,000 people. They can't stop 30,000 people. And I think that's, that, I mean, he's just smart about that kind of thing. I think that's right. I think that's right. He'll do a good, good job. It'll be fun to watch. I'm Thank Peter. Watch. Or yeah. listen, I'm Peter. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And this from Stephen. Surprisingly, cons- surprising conservatives won anything. Emerge Colorado candidates and candidates endorsed by Emerge control the Aurora City Council until this election. They're hardened Bolshevik socialists from Emerge. Well, and Stephen, that's what I'm saying. There's there's a little bit of hope, right? That people are waking up, and the Democrat Party has become so overconfident and just so. Um, smug that that they're they're not even trying you know they're they're showing their true face and they think that they control us enough through election integrity um and that that kind of stuff and just you know by canceling people and silencing people but instead i think they've gone so far overboard that it's having the other effect people in aurora i suspect um just like in douglas county right they were like you know i don't they're probably not getting into this overly progressive emergence or that they're like you know what i want to have a say in what the curriculum is being taught in the schools i want to have a say in whether my kids it has to wear a mask to school or not. So they threw out the school board. Same thing in Aurora. They're like, you know, actually crime does matter. We want people to protect our societies, well, no, to protect I, I our property. people do realize what emerges and also what Working Families Party is, which is out of New York City. It's a guy and, and he's a communist and he's the Working Families Party. And if it's a woman, she's from Emerge. 
uh, in the Democrat Party. Yeah, and she's also communist or socialist or whatever else there is. Um, it's amazing stuff. What else you got there, Julie? Um, well, you know what? I want to play one thing, too, just to put a smile on your face, um, because Twitter is banning all of this. So I'm kind of making it my personal mission um, to, uh, to, to try to spread the word far and wise. Um, there was another, you know, the let's go Brandon, let's go Brandon. Okay. That's, that's still kind of out there. We played for you the let's go Brandon song. Want to play you a little bit of a snippet of a, a vaccine mandate song. So Thomas, if we could please play the vaccine song. Apparently, apparently that is being played largely in Australia and in Europe, but uh, but all over the place too. Um, and I think that that's kind of funny. And again, that's just people, right? That's just people doing that. These, you know, like sort of like the let's go Brandon chant, right? It wasn't some kind of organized political effort. And that's, it all ties into, you know, go ahead and show Hillary Clinton reading her, her victory crying, speech. Crying, crying over victory, victory speech. speech. And everyone goes, oh, that's a great oh, victory speech. God. Oh, it's so emphasized. You lost, of what course. A human being. That's <laughs> like what a human would being. Would have been a much better speech if you'd actually won and could give it as a victory speech. But hey, that's you know that doesn't bother. If you're a Democrat, the fact that you lost should not prohibit you from reading your victory speech when mm. you get right down to it. It's kind of crazy. The other good news too, though, is that we and we don't have time to get into this a lot. But the Trump social media. I don't know if you guys are following this. We were banned, God, months ago now. Years ago. Uh, years ago. On you from YouTube, um, routinely shadow banned on Twitter and also Facebook polls stuff. All yeah, that get in Facebook jail, yeah, whatever. Um, but the Trump Truth, what's it called? Trump's Truth Social Media, um, the Trump Media Social Media um, Organization which is interestingly, it hasn't even started yet. And already seriously, the SEC is investigating it. And um, what's happening there is they have merged with um, Rumble. Um, you, I think you read Devin Nunez is going to be the CEO there. People are trying to make it sound like somehow that's a sign of Devin Nunez cutting and running. It's like, no, it seems to me that's a pretty good job. Yeah, Devin Nunez, Devin Nunez saying, I mean, they've already got like a billion dollars in investment. So this is not some fly by night organization. And I think say what you will about Donald Trump or in a lot of ways, the guy's a good businessman. But I think they're going to merge. It's been announced with Rumble, which is the um, YouTube alternative. Rumble is trickier. I mean, we're on Rumble, so I encourage you all, please, we love to have you listen and follow us on rumble it's free um it's just rumble.com chuck and julie show it's exactly like youtube it's a little bit if you're a content creator it's not quite as content creator friendly but i got a feeling they'll work on that but they're dedicated to i mean there's all kinds of stuff there they're dedicated to just free speech free content creating free not taking all of your money if you're making money off of it so i think that that's a sign that I think something is really happening there and they're getting rolling on that. Um, I think another thing I was hearing on Gab was saying this, that they had heard that Trump and those guys might take over Parler um, or get involved with Parler. So I'm not really sure about that. So 
It's a slow process, but I think there are signs that it's a real process. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, well, that's why Axios and all these other organizations are doing stories saying, oh, it's terrible. Conservative media, what's what's wrong with them? You know, and and we're much nicer. We were much nicer to Trump than we were to Biden. Biden's constantly getting attacked. That's what's so great about the (laughs) left. And they really don't care what the truth is. They they really don't care. I mean, Jesse Smollett can get up in the stand and just lie his ass off and he's still fine. That's right. Yeah. Um, So, hey, listen, that's going to wrap it for us today on this Wednesday. Um, We will thank you to John Conlon. Thank you to everybody on Zoom, the great guys at BBS. You can catch all of our shows at chuckandjulie.com. Hey, there's a link there too. We would love to have you um, subscribe to us. There's a link to BBS. It shows you how to do that. And if you want to sign up for our free newsletter, you can do that too um that'll do it for today party friday party friday coming up boy it comes fast oh it sure does we'll see you everybody have a great rest of your week bye-bye